A group of scientists are sent to the African Congo after the original expedition ends in a mysterious disaster. Once stuck in the jungle, they quickly learn they're in for more than they bargained for. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Bajay. I'm Connor Azagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. all right today um based off that description which honestly was one of the harder ones i had to come up with because the film plot is kind of not the best um we'll be talking about the 90s other michael crying adaptation congo uh one of those films that was um i would say you see is pretty stereotypical with the summer blockbuster season usually which is it was trashed horrendously by critics but was a big box office hit um look at the numbers for 1995 it, it was a fucking smash um so it became a huge hit with audiences it that has kind of carried over i know a lot of people that saw have uh, you know talking to um other friends of mine that are older that saw this when it came out or you know like you when you saw our kid still like it for it's for you know what it's worth so it does have a pretty sizable cult following to this uh to this day really you know or fan base for, and i'm cult fan base to this day um so take that for what it's worth but uh with that i'm gonna shoot over to connor here for uh those good old scores what he has to say before i do that i do just want to point out i i didn't see this when i was a kid uh i saw this for the first time about two years ago <laughs> Oh, I thought you saw it when you were a kid. I thought that's nope. when you saw. I saw. I watched it on Netflix two years ago, and I was like, you know what? I've seen worse. <laughs> um, this has a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, 29% audience score, so pretty despised universally. Critics' consensus reads: mired in campy visual effects and charmless characters, Congo is a suspenseless adventure that betrays little curiosity about the scientific concepts it purports to care about. Yeah, science ain't very sciencey in Congo, but you know, this is from the same guy who did like Jurassic Park and Westworld. It's science fiction for a reason, folks. Sci- yeah, but what's funny is that you name those movies and you look at this one here. To me, we'll get more than awards. It's not really the science fiction part because I don't care how much your factual your science fiction is. It's like you said, it's, it's fictions in the title alone. Yeah. Um, for me, it had a lot to do like the story is like one of the most unengaging stories. Fair <laughs> and, enough. And really kind of squanders his plot. Again, I'll get more into it, but the plot that like is kind of told to you from people who do love this movie and like what the what the description tells you on high MDB and like the cover of the Blu-ray or DVD or whatever you own has. I'll get into it, but it's not exactly what's promised. It takes a while to get to what's promised. It does. It is. I mean, this movie, it should be more about the intelligent killer gorillas. Like that should be the movie, but that's really like the last 15 minutes of the movie. Everything else is like African politics and like searching through the jungle. It's yeah. They could have handled this better for sure. Yeah. Again, Hinton for one of my awards. I'll get into that later. I don't want to get too deep into that, but yeah. um, My personal take was, I thought it was okay. Not the worst thing I've watched on this show. Um, 
definitely, honestly, not the worst thing I watched in general. Um, there was one film that one day will make its way on here, probably for a special episode that I will talk ad nauseum until you you guys get tired of it. And that is Things. That's the title. <laughs> um, I've seen some stuff. Uh, but with that said, <coughs> not the worst thing, but not the best. I think that's actually how you describe it to me. It's like not the best thing, but it's also not the worst. It's like squarely in the middle. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at with this. You know, Michael Crichton's adaptations outside Jurassic Park are incredibly hit or miss. Uh, you've got, you know, Westworld, which is great. You've got Timeline, which is pretty shitty. You've got the Andromeda Strain, which has been done like three times. Rising Sun, which sucks ass. And then you got Congo, which is like watchable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't have a beef with it, but I get why people hate it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I guess to an extent, if you were one of those that saw us when it came out, I get it. I understand that nostalgia factor. So I'm not going to take out that. Plenty of people show on the original Space Jam, and I know my nostalgia fogs everything. So I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but before uh, we kind of go further with like the production stuff, because this film does feature killer apes, and I was kind of having <laughs> issues coming up with quite, I had a lot of issues coming up with stuff for this episode because this movie didn't provide me with a lot like I thought it would. Um, I am loosely using this to talk about creature features. So, with that, and plus most creature features that we have covered probably won't be on the show because there's actually a lot of good ones. Um, so, with that note, right, this is a film with killer apes for a little bit. Uh, the author, Jurassic Park. Um, with that, I kind of, it's a little bit of a two-part. First off, I would like to ask you, what are your thoughts on creature features? Because I don't think we've actually really talked about that here i know we briefly went over it alligator we mostly focus on alligator the film in my own childhood uh, experience with it so this is a chance to kind of go over your thoughts on creature features and then outside of obviously your big ones like jaws and jurassic park probably some personal favorites of yours as well okay um i love creature features i love you know man versus nature movies i like when it's just you know couple people versus some giant ass snake or shark or monkey or just something that's you know nature put here to fuck us up i like that like i don't count you know werewolves and supernatural shit as creature features those are its own thing um some of my favorites um let's see um i do love anaconda because it's so so ridiculous and so horribly acted but it's the only place I can go to watch John Voight get swallowed by a giant snake and then regurgitated. So, I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> I stand by Anaconda. That movie is great. <laughs> I just, I love that nobody told John Voight, like, that's, that's the voice you're going to go with. That's, that's what like, we're going to do this whole movie. I feel like they tried and he probably just John Voight them and was like, no, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm John Voight. I'm John, yeah, you're not right. You're not wrong. That's probably what happened. Um, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, I'm planning on watching it again pretty soon just for kicks. But um, I remember as a kid, I really liked Arachnophobia. Oh, I haven't seen that in years. I don't know. I watched it on HBO when I was a kid one day. Yeah, I think I caught it on TV as well. Directed by Frank Marshall, the guy who did Congo. So he, he had a bit of a 90s vibe going with Creature Features. Uh, but that one's just, you know... Very powerful, deadly spider winds up in America, starts fucking with this town, 
And the only one who can stop it is Jeff Daniels. And, you know, I love Jeff Daniels to death. He's one of my favorite actors. So it was, a, I remember being very entertaining and also really silly. Uh, so I'm looking forward to giving that another watch. That's a good one. Um, thinking on the line, uh, the lane of spiders there. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him, but Eight-Legged Freaks is actually really good. I've heard of that one. Yeah, I haven't gotten to check that out. Oh, dude, it's 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 like it go, it purposely goes for like that fifties vibe when you know um for anyone who wants a little creature feature history, fifties were a wash and essentially creature features because everything was getting you know the Cold War was causing nuclear concerns so movies had that theme of a uh, nuclear fall causing something to get radically huge yeah. and attack um they're not good but they're campy and fun as hell if you've seen any of them so i i took um a class in uh, my undergrad in college uh it was the southwest in film so it was like a look into films that had been made in the southwest and one that we watched was them 1954 with the giant ants and that's when I learned about all that, the, you know, radiation and, you know, Cold War radiation in film, creating big monsters and being an allegory for real life Cold War scares. And that's really cool. Um, wasn't, a, wasn't an amazing movie, but entertaining. It's got that scene where the big ant just like drops a rib cage and you're like, oh, shit, he ate that cop. <laughs> and that was pretty hardcore for 1954. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I say. Like they're not great, but they're they're campy. And um, the reason I mention that is because Eight Legged Freaks goes for that vibe. So it's very it's like a movie made in like the two thousands, I believe. I forget the exact year. Um, but it goes for that vibe of that fifties campy creature feature sci fi stuff. Um, nice. And it it has it's very tongue in cheek. It's very comedic. It has David Arquette in it as a badass, which is great. <laughs> um it, it's a lot of fun if you haven't if you haven't seen it it's a very underseen film in my opinion it's, it's really really good i remember when we did our um we did a top five creature feature on the um alligator filmgasm episode and i know we both had crawl on i fucking love crawl so much crawl is one of the most simple but brilliant movies i've ever seen just my you know girl and her dad trapped in a flooding house with two gators that's all you need it's it's done so well. <laughs> yeah, it's and I think that to me, before we name some more movies, um, because also uh, you know, it's Aja who did Piranha, which I think was fucking awesome. I love Piranha, it's so much fun. Um, but like what I love about the creature features is that it's it's taking a very simple concept, like you said, right? Nature versus man, essentially. Um, but it's saying how do we make this entertaining, how do we make this something, and how do we make it even somewhat believable too? You know what I mean? Like, because obviously. It's not like when I go out, I'm scared of a fucking alligator just randomly attacking me, right? Or ants or all that stuff. So it's a matter of like, how do we make this believable for it to happen? Make it through. And then you're told that line of being serious, but you pull it off somehow or just completely embracing camp. Or like you kind of saw recall where they're like, let's just have fun. Which I usually think to me is the perfect balance for my creature features is let's just have fun because I'm literally making a movie where alligators are going to just keep fucking you up or giant ants going to eat you, you know, or piranhas are going to attack you during spring break. So let's just have fun with the concept, right? Let's have a good time. I think that's what I love about that subgenre so much is it it's one of the most fun subgenres of horror. Yeah, I've yet to really be disappointed by a creature figure. You know, you often know what you're going to get. They know what they're selling. They don't try to hype it up too much. You just it's like, you know, I'm here. You're here. Let's have fun. And I like that. I respect that. Piranha, the remake, is a great example because that movie is just vicious little fishes 
just eating porn stars. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole movie. And how do you not just enjoy that? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, and then you could say the ultimate evolution of the creature feature in a way, like the ultimate evolution was eventually what Godzilla and the introduction of the kaiju, as we like to call them, but obviously really big monsters. And that's opened up a whole nother subgenre I've always loved, you know, um, and still going strong as well. I know I just read today that, you know, Kurt Russell and Riot Russell got cast in the Monsterverse show coming out on Apple TV+. I don't know if you saw that. Um yeah, they're they're doing an in canon with Godzilla King of the Monsters, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong TV show on Apple TV Plus, and they cast Kurt and Riot Russell on it. Um, so, so this will be where we get kind of Godzilla's B list roster, you know, Gigan and Destoroyah. I think, I think the way it sounds is that they're going to explore Monarch more in depth this time instead of it just being yeah. a vague company. Well, that's great, but like I'm here for monsters. It's a, it's a really vague plot right now, so we'll see. I know they're actually working on the movie, anyway. So, um, I don't know. I don't have Apple TV Plus, so I mean, I just thought it was cool that they got the wrestles, both of them. That um, is cool. Um, we've never really explored kaiju on any of our shows. We've yet to really tackle that. Uh, but I'd love to go into some Godzilla at some point because there's like 30 of those. Like we we'd have a blast. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, that would be a blast. So, yeah, uh, my thing is, and, you know, it probably had to do a lot with, you know, I know we talked about it, but when I saw Alligator as a kid and, you know, Charles, it's probably why I love Creature Creature so much. Like, and I'm always willing to embrace it, right? Like, even something like, you know, I know it's had to come around since it came out, but, you know, Snakes on a Plane, if you take it for what it is, it's a goofy, fun film. Like, it, if you're going into a movie called Snakes on a Plane and you have, any sort of expectations or like you're comparing this to the fucking godfather that is on you it's called snakes on a plane what what do you expect yeah it's like i i hope if anything i hope the phone gives me exactly what's in the title um another good one and to me the only really the only other shark film i've decently enjoyed um outside of jaws obviously uh deep blue sea yeah. So much fun. It, like, yes, some of those shark, the sharks are CGI'd and it's nose blowing some shots. And yes, it's a nonsensical story, but goddamn, again, what I talk about, right? These creature features having fun. The film has fun. Like it has so much fun when it's concept. Um, obviously, it's people know about it now, but it's famous for the fact that they got someone like Samuel Jackson, who was really rising at that time. I won't say peak, but he was definitely on the rise, you know, getting big. He, people knew who he was. Like they do now. Um, so when you were like, oh, he's in the movie, and then spoiler, they fucking just, just get rid of him halfway through the movie in one of the best scenes. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Uh one movie I really want to do on this show. Uh I haven't seen it yet, but I just the concept alone makes me laugh. Uh Orca, the the killer whale. <laughs> Where they were like, let's do Jaws, but with a different animal. And they went with an orca. So not exactly critically acclaimed, pretty baited. I think would be a great episode on this show for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know we have on the list another type of creature feature oh, yeah. on the show. But I, from what I, my research has shown, my advanced research is actually a cult classic. So we might end up liking this one. I might end up liking it. Um, Maybe. Um, you said only good shark, other good shark movie up to Jaws. I want to, I want to dispute that with the Shallows. 
I forget about the shallows every time. But yes, the shallows was good. And I will say, I did like the first open water. I know that's a very love it, hate it film, and I totally understand why. Yeah, I enjoyed the first open water though. I haven't seen that legitimately because that's a real fear of mine. So I I know it's gonna really get in my head, and I just haven't really been ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Shallows has a, a little bit more fun than um, open water does. Yeah, open water. Just I know about it. I know what happens. It sounds like the bleakest fucking movie ever made. Yeah, it's it, it's there's like no hope. And space off a true story. That, yeah, God, what I read man. is not far off of what happened. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, um, see, that's just not. I mean. I'll, I'll see it eventually, but I'm not in any hurry to just lose all faith in humanity like that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll give the shells. Like I said, my only, to this day, my only complaint outside is the fucking trying to tell me that Galveston's water is crystal blue. God, no. I don't know any crystal blue be- beaches in the state of Texas because it's off the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> there are no crystal blue beaches in the entire continental United States. I mean, Hawaii's doing its thing over there, but. In the continental states, that does not exist. No, not one bit. So besides that, good movie. Um, and one that I'd say is understanding in America because it was an Australian release, uh, but a uh, rogue about this uh, alligator that fucks people up. Really good movie. Sounds exciting. I really want to see Beast, uh, Idris Elba versus the Lion. I am. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm always a sucker for these films. You know. Um, like was it a recent one? I I guess kind of creature future, but they took it a lot more seriously. But the gray with the wolves attacking, yeah, that counts. And yeah, uh, that wasn't bad. My only complaint is that I wanted to see Liam Neeson punch a wolf in the face. And you know what? I don't think I'm a monster for saying that because it was Liam Neeson in his action career. It's a movie where wolves are hunting him down and killing him. I kind of want to see it. And then they tease it. They see the you have the scene where he puts the shit on his hand. I'm like, oh yeah. And then he cuts to Christ. I was like, you suck. <laughs> I remember on the on the alligator show, um, I shouted out Cujo, uh, which is just one of the simplest, smartest horror concepts ever. Just St. Bernard gets bit by a bat, goes rabid, tries to kill this mom and kid. Such an easy concept. King wrote it in a weekend on a Coke binge, ended up becoming one of my favorite books he's written. And the movie was not bad. It was considered one of his better adaptations. Yeah. I mean, how do you fuck that up? It's dog mom son you, car i want to watch how you say that because we've seen how they can fuck up a king adaptation real quick thankfully that he put the kibosh on this whole like canine unit joint operations bullshit they were trying to do with cujo turn him into some like military cyborg dog <laughs> he was like I'm, fuck that you can't have it anymore yeah i'm glad that i'm, I'm glad that was like a, yeah no not gonna happen because i don't want that <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, as you guys can tell, creature features. Uh, I think it's safe to say we both enjoy creature features for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I would say of all the various subgenres that exist in horror, there's a lot. Probably one of the most purest form of escapism, I would say, in horror is creature feature because it's asking you to get it behind a very outlandish concept. Well, outlandish extent. I mean, let's alligator attacks happen, shark attacks happen, bear attacks happen. Not obviously on the scale that they are expecting you in to think in this in these movies, but you know it's an outlandish concept. You know, saying, "Look, we let's just take the ride with us, have a good time." And nine times out of ten, I do, as long as it's not a fucking sci-fi original <laughs> movie. 
Speaking of bear attacks, I do have one last one to shout out that I thought was pretty decent. Uh, 1997's The Edge, starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Uh, really cool movie. That Anthony Hopkins is this like billionaire software dude who's like taking a pleasure flight through the woods. It plane crashes. Him and Baldwin are the only survivors. Baldwin's the like family friend has been fucking Hopkins' wife, and Hopkins just found out about it, and they end up trapped in the woods with this killer bear hunting them. And they have to figure out a way to survive and also fight this bear and get away, get, you know, get back to civilization. And it's very much like it's the ultimate man versus wild situation. And I thought it was really good. So the edge, check that one out. Okay. I will. I'm always on for a good creature feature. So, all right. But yeah, uh, if you haven't checked any of these films out, check them out. Um, I highly recommend alligator, not alligator. Well, yes, alligator. But crawl at the top of your list. I cannot express how much I really enjoy the shit out of that movie. Yeah, I'll second that. Oh, yeah. Um, so with that, unless we've got anything more to add, I know we could probably go down this train of creature features for a while. But unless we have more to add on that, I, it's time for Development Hill. Let's do it. All right. So as everyone knows, this film came out in 1995. Starting in the late 1970s, Michael Crying. <laughs> Was having a hell of a career at that time. Um, the adaptation of his novel, The Andromeda Strain, um, the one in 1971 was a huge hit and followed two years later by his director film debut with Restworld, which was also a huge hit. So, causing me quite in demand in Hollywood. And by in demand, I mean like as a novelist, a screenwriter, all that stuff. So, he was, he was having a good time. Um, so in 1979, he decided to ad- adapt one of his own novels, uh, The Great Drain Robbery, um, mm-hmm. with Sean Connery in the lead. Uh, apparently, he had such a great time working on that film, he began writing a screenplay specifically for him and Connery to work together again. And that would be the beginnings of Congo. So he actually, this is an adaptation because the novel came out, but he started with the script first. Interesting. He was a pretty decent screenwriter, too. Westworld is such a great movie. Um, I haven't, I, I've watched the first two seasons of the show and it's, it's pretty good, but the movie was so tight and precise and just very, very much a horror, uh, Western sci-fi adventure that it was just unforgettable, really cool movie. And then he was basically, it's, it's Jurassic Park with, with robots. It's the same story. <laughs> That's what I hear from a lot of people. I hear a lot of people that will tell you the movie's really good and the show. It's almost like from what I from what I kind of gather from hearing people talk about it, it's like it's good, but almost because it's such a huge success and they keep renewing it, it's almost become a victim of that whole like some seasons very wildly in quality or like they're not really able to you know keep it as tight and contained. So some people are kind of having issues with things past season one of the show. It only needed one season. If Westworld was just one season, it would be one of the most brilliant shows in history. But season two got so convoluted to the point where I wasn't really that into it anymore. And I haven't seen three and four and I don't really plan to until it's done. I haven't watched it one bit because I've learned as much as I love these movie, you know, HBO and Showtime on them. I've kind of learned this also kind of approach the shows with trepidation because so many times they start out good and it goes down a route. And honestly, Game of Thrones was like the biggest thing with me being like, let me just be careful now with you people because you find a way to portray me. <laughs> Fair enough. I agree, but I forgot about the Great Train Robbery. I've always wanted to see that. I, uh, I've only with Crichton. I've only read um, Jurassic Park and The Lost World. I haven't read any of his other work. I do own Congo, and I've been meaning to read that for like fifteen years. 
I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, you remember me? I haven't read any of his books. I did finally, finally for cheap buy Jurassic Park and the Lost World books to read them one day. It's just because I can see the differences for myself. But I, other than, and even on the movie side, other than Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, I haven't really watched anything of his outside of that. So, well, to be fair, like outside Jurassic Park, it's, it's not great. Like there's really not a lot of good adaptations of his work. And I don't know if that's because the work's bad or like the filmmakers are bad. Cause I mean, yeah, everything I've seen has been pretty shit apart from Westworld and Jurassic Park. All right. Well, then I can, I think I'm okay in my life. I am looking forward to reading those books. So just see how different they are. Um, with that in mind. So, okay. Again, like I said, books not out yet. So he, he's coming up. These are the beginnings of Congo, which at the time he was hoping to have Sean Connery. As you probably know, I couldn't find a reason why Sean Connery wasn't in the final film. So don't ask me why he's on it. I couldn't find that reason. He, he would drop out of stuff for the weirdest reasons. He turned down so many movies because he just didn't, he quote, didn't get it. Yep. And, and most of those are his biggest regrets, which is also kind of funny. I'm like, you probably should have just stopped trying to get it and just like said yes. And then maybe just talk to the director about what you don't understand. See, that's what happened. He, he said no to the Matrix. That was a huge hit. He said no to Lord of the Rings. Huge hit. So the next script that popped in his desk, he's like, I don't get this, but I didn't get those. So this is probably going to be a hit. And he signed on for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then he retired until the day he died. Yep. <sighs> so Crichton would pitch to the now defunct 20th century Fox. That's right. Fox. Uh, would o- I kid you not, with only a title and a vague concept. Isn't it crazy that some people have that kind of clout? I was about to They're say, like, because of his clout, they, they, they fucking agreed to it. Hear me out. Smart Monkeys, Lost City, Telecommunications, Talking Gorilla, Congo. <laughs> That's how it went down, I guarantee you. <laughs> I, I, I read that and I was five. I'm like, you went to someone and went, so I got this movie called Congo. And it, it involves apes in a lost city. What you think? They're like, fucking, we'll give you 50 million. How's that sound? <laughs> you know what? You want more than that? We'll give you more. One thing this show particularly has done for me is really made me reevaluate how I think of the filmmaking process and how fucking ridiculous it is sometimes. It's funny. Luckily, that is not happening with this show, but I listen to a lot of um, podcasts like the Movie Crypt and stuff. You know, Adam Green, Joe Lynch, people that work in the industry, and man, the stories they tell, I'm like, oh my God. It's amazing. It, yeah. Um, and the notes apparently producers have given them, but like, hey, can you, why are, they, why are they editing the film? So, why is it really orange in this scene? He's like, and Adam Green's like, yeah, because we're color correcting. What do you mean? No producer note for me has ever been stupider than the one Spielberg got for Gremlins, where he was like, hey, some producer was like, you know, there's a lot of Gremlins in this movie. And oh, I love like, Spielberg's response. Yeah, he's like, well, I could get rid of them and just call the movie People. The guy was like, fair enough. Yeah, I think my favorite was Adam Green when he said he was working on an Aquaman script. Well, before, obviously, we got the one with Chase Momoa. And a producer he got back was, why is there so much water? Oh, God. 
It's like the producers are like the guy in the group project who doesn't do anything, but constantly wants in to put, you know, get his, get his input in there, but he's not going to do anything. You know, before Jason Blum felt the need to say the comment he said on how, like, how great he is at getting people. I'm like, you know, he's a great, pro- and honestly, he is a great producer because he seems to actually understand the filmmaking process. And because of it, look at how free for Blumhouse has been for horror. True. Or like A24, right? Their producers over there clearly are like, hey, we don't care. We're just going to be what you need. Yeah. You're the money. Finance it. Trust the people with creative juices to do the right thing and make your movie. Yeah. It's amazing how that works out. These big studios, though, it's most most producers, in case anyone's wondering, are people that actually have never worked in film. Sometimes they don't even watch movies. It's insane to me to think that people who probably could kill us about films are fucking film producers. Something because yeah. it makes them shit ton of money. They get to live in their mansions up in the Hollywood Hills. Like if you were at a restaurant and you ordered a steak, you wouldn't follow the waiter back to the kitchen, watch the chef make the steak and constantly give him notes, even though you don't know how to fucking cook. <laughs> like you wouldn't do that. So why do you do that when you're making a movie? <sighs> it's, like, oh, uh, it's yeah, it's it's annoying, but that's that's how it goes in Hollywood. But uh, so yeah, so yeah, like we were saying, they um they agreed with a fucking vague concept and title because as I just said, he had he had a great seventies career in general. He really crime was fucking killing in seventies. Um, so but before he would complete the screenplay, he did finish the novel. So at this point, he was like, okay, cool, I got it. Let me finish the novel first, and you know I'll get the screenplay knocked out. So by nineteen eighty, uh, the novel was written, set to be published in August of that year. And then they were going to start filming Congo in 1981, so the following year. Things were going smoothly. And then Crichton found a way to fuck it all up. <laughs> what happened? He was extremely adamant, would not budge, that they use a real ape to play Amy. He did not want an actor in a suit. <laughs> Jesus, what a hill to die on. <laughs> They were gonna train a real gorilla to just act. Yes. Okay, Mike. <laughs> this is the thing. The studio teases for a bit. Needless to say, he had an unsuccessful search for a real ape, and like I said, he was not N O T, all caps, underline exclamation point not willing to compromise on actor putting on a suit are you ready for this Crichton himself approached the studio execs and recommended to them to pull the plug on the film what is happening here he, <laughs> he writes this novel he pitches it he gets the budget he's gonna make the movie and he i'm assuming like auditioned a ton of gorillas for this role no, nope. none of them were good enough. You're wrong on the auditioning. From what I was reading, literally, they would reach out to like scientists, you know, doing experiments or like zoos, no, anything they could. Everyone told him no. So he couldn't even get apes in the studio because they were like, we're not going to let you exploit our animals. Yeah. The scientists testing on monkeys were like, how dare you? Yeah. They were like, you can't train an ape to fucking act. That is so, that's even funnier that like he never even got to that point. 
But I love he's look. He I feel like he was reaching out to scientists, being like, "You got any like really smart gorillas that you might have trained to talk?" <laughs> like he was hoping they did the work for him. And then to be just like, "Well, I guess we're not making the movie then because we don't have any hyper intelligent gorilla." What was he going to do about the evil gorillas? Like, were they going to? Was he going to make like spray paint some silverbacks? Like, what was he going to do with that? <laughs> I mean, these are valid questions. If he was willing to just pull the plug over this. I don't know why I found that funny. They also have to be like, hey, that really big fucking silverback that could totally kill you. We need you to spray paint it so it can be our villain ape. I wish to God that Crichton had made this version of the movie. This would have been the most incredible 80s film of all time. Oh, my God. If I was a PA, right, an unpaid PA... And you're like, hey, can you go spray paint that fucking silverback? Be like, fuck you, I quit. How's that sound? <laughs> if I get anywhere near the fucking ape, monkey, whatever, I know what they do when they're angry. Guys, they go for your nuts. Don't piss them off. Dude, on the call sheet, you've got like Tim Curry, Ernie Hudson, Coco, <laughs> and you, Dylan Walsh, <laughs> Laura Linney, and you're the guy who's got your Coco's fucking assistant. You got a, you got like a tray of bananas at all times, just in case things get hairy, and they always fucking do, because this is a live animal. Because it's the eighties, they don't think that maybe the, the the apes shouldn't have cocaine, so they're like, yeah, give the ape cocaine. Just picturing like, like a Access Hollywood video. It's like chaos at the Congo set in Africa today as a gorilla high on cocaine trashed the set and ripped tim curry's nuts off coked out gorilla (laughs) that is amazing that yes so that that is um that is the hill that Crichton was going to die on and i the audacity like the gall i've never heard of this in hollywood happening to go up and be like we can't get the eight, man. We should pull the plug. I mean, he, they didn't have real robots on Westworld. He was fine with that. They didn't. They, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park weren't real. Like, why was this the one where he was like, no? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the studio executive who gave the man with the vague concept and a title something because he was having success? The okay to do this. And then, like, let's say a couple months later, you're like, hey, man, what's the progress on the film? And then he tells you that. You probably, would you sit there and be like, I I need some more cocaine right now. I don't know what the fuck just came out of your mouth. I don't know how to approach that. I'd be like, but I gave you $50 million. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to be three weeks into production. Like, what? Because you can't find a real gorilla? Are you fucking kidding me? I'd lose my mind. Yeah. Which is a great segue for what actually happened. They let him go. <laughs> It's just like, fuck off then. Yeah, they were like, they essentially were like, no, we're moving forward with the movie and you can go. That's ridiculous. That is amazing. They're just like, well, we don't need you anymore. Clearly, this is going to be a problem going forward. <laughs> My God. So Crichton only got like a story credit? Wait. <laughs> oh, boy. He did get a story credit. Yes, but wait. Guess who they offered it to? <laughs> Very quick to offer it to this is the 80s. Who was the king of the 80s, my friend? 
Oh boy. Spielberg. Yep, they quickly offered it to Spielberg. <laughs> you know what? I wonder what movie we wouldn't have gotten if he'd take it. Like, do we not get Temple of Doom if he takes Congo? <laughs> I don't know, because apparently he considered it. He was legit considering it. Well, he clearly I mean, this was eight, kept thinking this... about it because he would do Jurassic Park later, so he clearly liked Crichton. Yeah, and think about it, it's 80s Spielberg. Um, I don't know exactly when they were kind of un- – I couldn't find an exact year this was all going down, so I don't know if this was when he was producing Poltergeist, working on E.T. Oh, it was after E.T. That's what they said. It was really after E.T. Hmm. E.T. looked pretty real. It wasn't, but it looked real. So clearly. still looks real to this day. Just Animatronics saying. were doable in the early 80s. <laughs> God damn it. I can't believe Michael Crichton. I didn't, I didn't know that. That is so funny. Dude, there's so many times. I have to say this real quick. When I'm, when I'm doing the research for these episodes, and I know you kind of got a taste of it with Masters of the Universe because I had, you know, the vid, the run up, whatever you call it. Um. But like, there's so many times I find something interesting. And I'm like, I can't wait to tell them this. I don't. I never text you because I'm like, no, no, no. I think I did that once because it was. I forget what episode, but it was so unbelievable the amount of shit I was finding on this film. I was like, wait till the episode, man. We're gonna have a good one. I think that was Tomb Raider, or one of. There's been a couple where you're like, buckle up. You're gonna. This is gonna be a big one. Yeah. And I just get excited. But yeah, I, I like that you don't tell me. I, I get to have these moments of just incredulity. On, on the show, and I love and I, it. And I get to watch it, because it's, it's me, like, sitting in this spot, doing my research. I got, like, a podcast playing, right? I'll be, well, one podcast, so I'll probably no longer be played due to some controversy. Um, But uh, I'm doing my research, and I'll be sitting going, out loud, with only my pets around me going, I'm sorry, what? The fuck's just, what the fuck does this thing just say? And I'm thinking, like, oh, this is going to be a great talking point when I do this on Wednesday. I'm just picturing like other movies where like you could make like people would make that kind of crazy demand like Poltergeist for instance like Spielberg goes up to the to the studio and is like we can't find any real ghosts I don't think we can do this movie <laughs> like it's so fucking crazy <laughs> you know what's funny I don't know if this is irony but there were real skeletons used in Poltergeist <laughs> I know they actually did conjure some real fucking ghosts so I don't know if that's like a weird sort of irony that's happening right now. You can't find any goats, Steve. We'll just use these real human remains we found. Right. And then, but you want to use a real ape? What the fuck? Get out of here. It's like Jaws. I can't find, I can't find a real 30 foot great white shark. So this just isn't doable. We're not, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. I, I figured that was as soon as I read that, I was like, he really wanted to die on that hill. And they were like, you can go. Let's go out of Spielberg. I wonder how long that discussion was among the producers, like to cut him. I bet it was less than two minutes long. I bet it was like, okay, we got to get rid of this crazy son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Spielberg, you know, he did think about it, apparently, he did pass on the project. Offer was handed out to two other directors. I'm going to name the first one because I don't really, I wasn't familiar with But the other one, oh man, the movie I kind of want had he been, had he said yes. Hmm. But before I say his name, the other one was Peter Haynes, Himes, I would say his last name. I have no idea who this is. Yep, I, I wasn't familiar, <laughs> but he was thrown out there. If you know who he is, I'm sorry, I probably should have done my research, but fuck it. 
Um, I was more blown away by this other name. Are you ready? Oh, Are you yeah. Sitting down right now, or pants on? Uh, yes to one of those. Disgusting bastard. <laughs> Who is it? John fucking Carpenter. Oh my god. <laughs> oh wow, Carpenter's Congo. Oh, that would have been exciting. I know. Ooh, I stepped away from my research when I saw that name. I was like, I need a moment right now. See, I always think though, like, if they'd done that film, what film do we lose? And I feel like we lose Big Trouble in Little China. Look, I don't like going down that route because it ultimately never happened, and I got wonderful Carpenter films out of it. So stop being such a pessimistic son of a bitch. <laughs> it's a valid question, you know. It's valid, Carpenter though. takes the Congo gig. Because I mean, like, because this is '80s Carpenter. I mean, this is Escape from New York, fucking the thing. Big Trouble in Little China. And I mean, granted, all these have a history of not being popular at the time and getting their due credit years later. You know, fuck you, movie studios. I wonder if this was one of those situations like Firestarter where they're like, we're going to like you do this. And then the thing came out and it didn't do well. And they're like, no, you can't have this anymore. (laughs) Luckily, it wasn't. But yeah. (laughs) And oh, Christine, let's not forget Christine in the 80s. I mean. And nothing like obviously 70s conference just as good. I mean, Halloween and a song precinct 13 alone. Uh, what else? What else? But I mean, the 80s, you have all that. I think the fog was right at the 80s, I believe. I was 80. Yeah, yeah, I got they yeah. live, you got Prince of they Darkness, live, Prince of Darkness. Like, god, 80s carpenter alone, man. My fucking god, yeah, <laughs> hell of a run. And you could have thrown Congo in there, and that would have been interesting. I wonder how he would have handled the ape situation. Why we're going to actual apes attacking people first off. Would have been hilarious if he like actually did find an ape that was very well trained and could have pulled this off. Wait. <laughs> um, but like you said, this wasn't a case where he didn't, you know, something flopped and the serials fucked over Cocker, which is unfortunately, I know I just we just named like a shit ton of great films in the 80s. Just so you got all in case anyone's wondering and you want to know more about Carpenter, uh, the underside to all that is that the studios shit on him every step of the goddamn way. And a lot of these films, unfortunately, did not do hot at the box office, but they've done great years later, which is why Carpenter is the way he is. Thank God he's not as grumpy any, anymore. I, I like having him more enthused Carpenter again. Um, but with that said, um, he would pass actually, he he passed on the project so. I'm, Probably it was probably a case of he had something else he wanted to do. I'm sure one of the films we named he was probably going to work on instead, and yeah. he he said uh, he said no to that, and that actually caused the project to go dead for a while. Yeah, quite a, quite a while. Yes, uh, four years later, uh, Crichton apparently was set to try to get this film made once again, and still with the mindset that I want Connery in the lead role, and I'm sure also a live ape. That was not confirmed nor denied. <laughs> I wonder what Connery thought of all this, where he's just like, did he know about Mike Crichton's crazy obsession with working with him again? I don't know. And it did come to fruition because they did, like, he did Rising Sun. So they did eventually work together again. I guess. I guess they were probably good friends, and (laughs) I'm sure he was down. But this is the weird part. There's no reason given for why this just went dead again. He came out of the woodwork four years later, said, hey, I want to try this again. Someone Connor in the lead role and it just disappeared and languished in Fox's vault for like five years. That can happen. Sometimes the producer's just like, eh, not right now, or I don't want to do it. And then it'll just disappear for, you know, 
sometimes a couple years, sometimes a couple months, sometimes a decade. You never know. It's weird. Movie making is such a fickle business. It's amazing we ever get anything. Yeah. Well, it's there's a certain film that came out. That's the reason we we got Congo. Producers Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy, uh, mm-hmm. they would buy the rights from Paramount because they were keen to have something akin to the juggernaut known as Jurassic Park, which as anyone hopefully who has not lived under a rock knows was a huge, huge hit. I would think the five sequels don't clue you in on that. Yeah, nobody, I don't think at the time, like anything had made that kind of money before. Like 93, I think it made like 900 something million dollars. Everyone was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, huge hit. So they were kind of keen on getting something. And Fox was like, well, we have this film from also Michael Crichton sitting in our vault. I always like looking at the movies that like come out after a monster hit. Cause there's so it's always like, well, clearly like same writer. So it's gotta be just as good or like, you know, a movie that happens to have dinosaurs in it. And they're like, this will be just as good. It's always funny to look at the, the ripple effect. That's huge movies have. Like just look at star Wars, the amount of terrible sci-fi movies we got in the seventies because star Wars was such a huge hit. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. On the horror, on the horror side of things, like the remake craze, the found footage craze, thanks to paranormal activities, huge hit. Like, Hollywood smells money and it doesn't stop until it's fucking dead. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, that's why it's funny when people kind of complain. You know, you get the haters online with the, the superhero films. They're like, God, when will this die? I'm like, when it stops making a lot of money, it's when it will die. That's when. Yep, but yep. it's been well over a decade and they're still making billions of dollars at the box office. To quote Bo Burnham, we'll stop kicking this dead horse when it stops spitting out money. <laughs> yes. Um, with that, are you ready? I don't know why they did this. I don't know if they wanted to get back at Crichton because they got a real ape to play Amy. Oh my god, that's producer, producers made some phone calls and they got a real ape in like throughout the whole film or like yep. certain parts. Uh, the ape that plays Amy is an actual ape, which is the, the ape that that's the irony. That's the ape that that was the only ape he wanted real was the one that played Amy. I could have sworn the ape was an actress because I, I looked this up. Like when I watched Congo the first time, I was like, that ape sure can. Act. Yeah, it says right here. Lola No played Amy. Who's Lola No? An actress who's not a gorilla. <laughs> Apparently, well. They're, they're claiming they apparently got a real ape. I guess for certain scenes, they got a real ape. Yeah, probably, but for other scenes, probably Point not. being is... You can't tell, rub- though. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Point being is they rubbed it in his face away. So, like, hey, we're not doing it the whole movie, but we did get an, a real ape for some scenes that we can pull off with a real ape. That's so funny. I guess Crichton was probably bitching about, you know, bitching to Spielberg about there not being real raptors in the lost world. But I, I wonder what he had to say. Tell him just bring dinosaurs back from the fucking dead. <laughs> He's not Crichton is not involved. I'm surprised he didn't try to create like a super virus when they made the Andromeda strain. <laughs> calling people like we need a killer virus and we need it now. So <laughs> or right, get actual like robots for restful. Like he creates a felt a self-aware 
machine and then dresses it as a fucking cowboy and is like, all right, now action. <laughs> God. God. It yeah. That was the most amazing. Like just that real hate from nothing or I walk. Oh, they're like, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Yeah. Like <laughs> they don't need you. They have your story. Bye-bye. You think like before he left the room, out loud one went, Hey, call Spielberg. Like out loud. <laughs> They said it as he was leaving. The door was still slightly open. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I wonder oh. if he brought that up when Jurassic Park came about. He's like, hey, you know, you you were offered my job once. You think Spielberg just went, yeah, go fuck yourself. Because that's like 90s, post 80s. Like He's probably like, and? <laughs> I'm Spielberg. Yeah, no one's, sh- no one's cracking that ego. <laughs> <laughs> He's invincible at that point. He's, you can't, you can't. The dude just keeps writing hits. And to his credit, he's not a problematic human being. So, like, no, you can't, you can't crack it. No, he's kind of the perfect director. He knows what he's doing. He cranks out hits. He's not difficult with production. He has his own production company. So, usually, he's his own producer. So, and I thought he's a great producer, known for collaborating. Yeah, he's he's the guy. Like Austin's often called him like the most significant American filmmaker. And I think, I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, even I, you know, I know I said like regardless of how I feel about his, like more focus on doing the Oscar films with his career. I can't deny the shit he was coming out with before that. And then when he did finally kind of step out of it with a film like ready player one and showed us that no, and almost was like saying like, no, I still have it in me to do these fun things. And I'm like, <laughs> well, hell, hell yeah. So that's what I'm talking about, you know? And you know he's produced. You got he critics may hate it, audiences may hate it, but he did produce the Transformers franchise. He's making so much money off those fucking movies. Yeah, <sighs> it's amazing. He knows he knows how to pick his projects. Yeah. So, um, with that on this film, uh, everything kind of went smoothly from as far as production. You know, things went smoothly, um, and he came out in '95. Finally, you know, after being seized essentially in the '80s. Um, but like we talked about earlier, right? The film would get destroyed by critics. Like I said, I think it's a 22% critic score. Yeah. Um, and really enough, you know, yeah, audience score is not high, but like I said, I think it was like, I think when I looked, it's about 160 million box office and the film costs, I think like less than 50. So it for 95, again, always keep in mind with these numbers, ladies and gentlemen, pre fucking Avengers here. Um, huge hit. Uh, I'm looking up now what the highest grossing film of 95 was. It probably wasn't this, but go on. Um, I'm just curious because back in the day, it wasn't, you know, there hadn't been a billion dollar gross yet. It was Batman forever domestically. Okay. That, that makes, that makes sense. Globally, it was Toy Story. That all lines up to me. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, you know, big hit and it has retained a fan base since then. Um, you know, like I said, and this is, I'm again, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not attacking anyone. I get it. Nostalgia. I totally understand. Those films from my childhood that people were like, well, there's this one. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I love it. You know, I've watched it since I was a kid. I understand. I get it. Yeah. I mean, for me, this film had just so many people I like. You know, you've got Tim Curry, Ernie Hudson, Bruce Campbell, Joe Don Baker, Laura Linney. Like, I like all of these people. Delroy Lindo has a brief scene. Joe Pantoliano, you see him for a little bit. 
like I love almost everybody in this cast. So the whole time I'm just like, ah, it's that guy. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah. And then, you know, it's killer monkeys. And you know that that's always been a thing for me. <laughs> I know. And for me, it is one of the cats. And also just the fact that like, again, it's not, it's not the worst thing I've watched. It's not the best. It was, it's, if you were put it on again, I wouldn't bitch. I'd be like, okay, I'll come watch Congo. Like it, 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 no, it's just a, it's a decently good, you know, turn off your brain type of film to watch. Like, I don't, I, it's not an offense to society. I've seen way worse than fucking Congo. It's something I can see Shout Factory doing a collector's edition of that I might pick up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's all I have on Congo's production. Um, unless you got anything else, it's time to give out some awards. I just can't stop thinking about. Michael Crichton and his uh, terrible negotiation skills. <laughs> you know, you know um, how you guys always talk about when you show someone a movie that you love um, and you watch them as opposed to the movie. It's kind of like that for me when I do this, because I always obviously like I was just talking about earlier. I know what's coming up because I, I write the script for these shows. Minus again, Masters of the Universe. Only when I was in the dark on. Um, but uh, so for me, it's a matter of like, oh, let me see which one really fucking makes Connor go, what the fuck? <laughs> it is just, it's it's hilarious because like, you know, the way we conceived the show was that like no bad movie just falls out of the sky. Everything has to have a reason for existing. So like what led to these terrible movies? And sometimes it's something as crazy as Michael Crichton wanting an actually like trained actor gorilla to be in the movie or he walks. And uh, they just said, "Yeah, go walk." <laughs> Wonder if he was if he was upset or he was like still trying to maintain some dignity and just like, well, fine. Or if he was like, "What?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he just starts begging after that. He's like, "Look, I got I got ideals for two and three. It's just yeah, I gotta have the tape." <laughs> oh God, beautiful. Uh, all right. Well, on that note. Uh, awards. First up, Zach Snyder. We're seeing which. Oh, I forgot. We'll talk offline about a certain thing I saw over a couple of days ago in regard to a certain shitty fandom. Yeah. Okay. With Snyder's uh universe. I don't know what you're talking about, actually. So I'm. You didn't hear? Oh well, you know what? Let's just before we do this, let's talk about it real quick. I thought you knew okay. what I was talking about. Okay. It was revealed that a good chunk of the whole restore the Snyderverse, you know, restore the Snyder cut was fake accounts. <laughs> so fuck you Snyder fans. How does that sound? I fucking knew it. You minus my asshole. Minus my buddy EJ. I, you're my friend. <laughs> God, that whole saga has just been a clusterfuck since day one. And Hopefully that's the nail in the coffin, but I fucking doubt it. I doubt it. It just was like, oh, so you guys did fake accounts. Again, look, you like what you like. I'm personally not on board. I wasn't on board with what Snyder was doing personally, but let it go. To quote the word warrior, not frozen, road warrior, let it go and walk away. Stop digging up the corpse of this franchise and just let it rest. God's sake. As far as I'm concerned, we've gotten better DC films since it's been done anyway. So 
substantially better. The Suicide Squad and the Batman were both fantastic films. Yes. Aquaman was pretty good. I liked Shazam. I liked Joker. I like Birds of Prey. Like it's amazing all the ones that haven't everything that he had no input in was great. <laughs> Minus one that's an accident. Minus one woman 1984. That movie can go fuck itself. Yeah. With that, now back on track. <laughs> that was what yeah, I thought you knew about that. My bad. But yeah. Scandal. Uh worst scene. What do you got? Um this was tough because admittedly, like there's not really any scenes that pop out as like, oh, that was bad. But I had to go with something. And for me, it is the brief cameo uh, from Delroy Lindo as this warlord who needs a bribe. Because it's it's just so out of place and goes nowhere. The whole African politics subplot goes nowhere. Yeah. And I always I, I always didn't like that. And, you know, the whole like stop eating my sesame cake has become an iconic bad movie line. Which I found is I found funny. Oh and yeah, I forgot about that. I was like, why his whole that? yeah, his whole thing about how like talking about Tim Curry is this guy is a bag of shit and he will be he's a horrible person. You just get the vibe that like he's gonna betray them or something, but then that never happens either. He's actually a pretty agreeable, decent dude through the whole movie. <laughs> he really did yeah. fund he like he did help them, he funded them, he just needed to get find this lost city. Like he's not a bad guy. I don't, I don't know why then, I don't know why they paint him as this bad guy. The best part is when he got there. He wasn't like, no, we need to make it through. He's like, no, we can leave. There's things trying to kill us. We can go. Yeah. He was on the same page. He was not like, no, you know, usually the bad guy, like, we have to keep going. I'll kill anyone who gets in my way. He's like, oh, shit, there's fucking monkeys or sorry, apes attacking us and killing us. We need to get the fuck out, guys. Yeah. It's weird how that whole scene sets up so much that never happens. So I just I didn't care for that. I was like, either take it out or do something with it. But why is it here? That's a good one. And I actually forgot about that scene because since they didn't do anything with it, as the movie went on, I'm like, I guess we're not doing anything with it. On my first watch, like I was just so enamored by like, ooh, killer apes. I didn't notice. But on the second watch, I was like, I remembered the movie and I'm like, wait a minute, that never goes anywhere. Like we never, what, what's the point? So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, I had the same issue and this is another case where like nothing's really just leaving on us. Oh my God, this is bad. But I did put one little scene. It had to do with the fact that there's like almost no reaction from anyone or a chance for the audience to let this kind of sink in. But it's when they have to jump out of the plane because it's getting like shot with the, the rocket launcher. And yeah. it's when they all get down to the ground and the camera shows the plane flying and it gets blown up. And that's what I put because, because none of the characters really react to this. There's no music, no nothing to make the audience go, oh shit, they're stuck. Like it literally happens and the film just moves on. I nearly had from that scene where Laura Linney open like kicks open the plane door and shoots a rocket out of the sky with a flare. I had this moment of like, what the fuck was that? And then I remembered, oh wait, they're heat seekers. <laughs> but I had this moment of like, where did fucking Rambina come from all of a sudden? <laughs> but no, it's like, oh, that makes sense then. But yeah, that is a good point. Like everyone's just like, all right, let's keep walking. Like they didn't just jump out of a fucking plane that just blew up. Right, that may that as far as I know is their only way in and out. Like, yeah, they're going through quite a lot just to drop off a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, it was like, all right, so yeah, my it was actually the only scene I wrote down because I was like, no one's reacting to this. Like, no one. You're playing. Yeah, there's people in that plane. I just picturing you being there and being like, "What the fuck was that?" and like being really weirded out. Like, 
Why is nobody else? <laughs> What's wrong with you people? <laughs> they're just like, and they're ignoring me. Hey, we gotta keep going. What the fuck you mean keep going? Our plane got blown up. <laughs> it that is so odd. They're just like, all right, move out. No. <laughs> yeah, that's like even the watching, monkey like, doesn't react. Yeah, that's like if you're watching like a war movie and they're just getting shot out and no one's reacting to the battle scene. Just no one. You see that quite a lot in war movies. Actually, they're just like having a full conversation while there's bullets everywhere. Yeah, but they know how to make it intense. But, and because all, but also there's in war movies you're defending a group of people that are trained for those kinds of situations. So, that's true. Not a but, you know fucking primatologist. And a telecommunications person who, who were not who did not sign up for this shit, and yeah, they're still and, just like hardened, like battle hardened for no apparent reason. Right, and even then, I'd argue in war films they do react. Yeah, they'll have conversations, but it's usually as they're loading a gun, and it always kind of goes back to, "All right, let's go kill those motherfuckers," you know, or "Who are America?" You know, it's it's usually followed by like we're about to go fuck them up anyway. You know, they're doing something while they're talking. True. So. Good choice. But, yes. With that, let's move on to the next one. Um, again, our hard one, because that looks actually not bad for a film that sat in a vault for so long. <laughs> and, True. Uh, the Ed Wood worst line. This, I picked one, one line here because I just couldn't believe that this needed to be said. It was like so obvious that like this didn't need to be here. You know, kill your darling. Sometimes you know, show, not tell is the best policy with certain, with most films. And uh, it was right after the uh, we meet the gray gorillas for the first time and they, you know, fuck up some people and uh, they go to camp and they got the perimeter line and the gorillas are testing the perimeter. And uh, Dylan Walsh, the primatologist, just takes the opportunity to say gorillas are very smart, but they're not aggressive. These things are really aggressive. It's like, no shit. <laughs> Did you not just watch them beat? a man to death right over there they're constantly attacking the fence yeah we know they're aggressive you don't need to tell us that i would love to see since you imagine me to seeing you in that scene and he says that and you're just you look at him like no shit sherlock i would just be like i'd probably hurl that hurl his ass over the fence and make a run for it while they're beating him to death because Jesus Christ, way to contribute nothing to the situation. I, I love the ideal of like everyone's like just say in, in a theoretical situation, like they're watching this ape murder this guy. And the whole time someone's just like, he doesn't mean it. They're just having a bad day. It's not that serious. Well, I'm just I'm trying to like attribute this to different situations. We just did Night of the Living Dead on the Film Gasm podcast. You imagine if somebody in that movie just went like, Wow, these things are really mean. It's like, yeah, we've been watching them eat people. We we know. Yeah, it's it's always funny and it happens every so often when there's that like movies will put it in a line dialogue where they're clearly pointing something out where I'm like, what did you what did you think I fell asleep? <laughs> like I hate when a movie treats me like an idiot. It's like I've been watching, I see the gorillas being aggressive. You don't need to tell me that they're aggressive. <laughs> there's a snake out there and it's, it's killing people. That's not good. Oh yeah. I thought it was good. I thought we were doing population control in the fucking movie. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like I'm like, gonna... You did Friday but... 13th recently, right? Jason Voorhees is slashing people. Oh, no, that's bad, guys. <laughs> I thought it was good. 
you drowned my son and drowning kids is wrong. That's bad. You did a bad thing there. Oh my God. It's just, it's so, it's so unnecessary and stupid and it treats your, makes you treating your audience like they're a bunch of dipshits who aren't watching the movie. Yeah. Have a little bit more respect for your audience. Just a, a drop. Just a bit. Uh, that's a good one. I put one, and I put this because I didn't know the movie needed a fucking one-liner because it's not a fucking 80s action film. But it's when, towards the end, Laura Lenny is getting ready to fight back these apes. She yeah. becomes a badass for a moment. She goes, let me, let me get in close for this. Put them on the endangered species list. I remember that. Oh, God. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, one. This movie did not require that whatsoever. And two, I mean, is that line you one point in your movie where we do as a as a as a group of people make a lot of species get on the endangered species list? Is that what you want to say? Well, I mean, also, you know, she's zapping these fucking gorillas with a diamond laser. It's like, what what is happening right now? <laughs> It's so weird. And yeah, that was like out of nowhere. It's like all of a sudden, you know, she's again, Rambina just being like, you know, let's do this. It's like, no, that was, she wasn't this character the whole movie. And now all of a sudden she's lasering gorillas to death. It's like they had on set for no reason whatsoever. Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme, like all these action stars were just Bronson for whatever reason. He's filming a Death Wish film in the area. Um, <laughs> He's, they're all on set that day just to visit and she's like oh my god I gotta say something like good to impress them Danny Glover pops in he's like <clears throat> it's just been revoked she's like close but that doesn't really apply here Danny but I like I like where you're at Schwarzenegger get to the chopper <laughs> Stallone is like I don't know danger species list I, I don't know it's like I like it I like it. Wait, I'm sorry. Someone, can you say that again? I, I, I didn't quite catch that. Endangered species list. <laughs> God. Oh, it does sound just ridiculous. It, it is weird that that happens. Like, you should not be cracking jokes right now. Like, they just ripped Tim Curry apart. <laughs> like, have some respect. And okay, look, this is my thing. I'm I I don't mind cheesy like one-liners. I know, like I know, I'm probably sure people are gonna be like, "Well, there's horror movies. I get it. I know there's some horror films I love to say something stupid. I know it's the 2009 fucking Friday 13th. They say the most generic one. Jason, go to hell, and then push him into the thing, and she's like, "Say hi to your mommy for me or some dumb shit like that." And I'm like, "Oh God." <laughs> like, Was Mark Wahlberg consulting on that one? Hey, Jason, see, how do you mother for me, right? I'd watch the shit out of that movie. I would watch that. Marky so Mark much. versus Jason. Sign me up. I'll crowdfund you know, that movie. Oh, God. But, you know, it, yes. I mean, other genres say it. Um, I, obviously, the 80s action era is the most prolific with it. But this is the thing. Those films are so over-the-top cheesy, it fits. Like, it just makes sense. That's the thing. It's got to. It's got to belong. Yeah, like those films thrived off being as over the top as they could possibly be. So that I'm with that. 
this film doesn't do that because and again i'll get into it in a minute i'm not going to say it now but this film takes itself very serious <laughs> has a very much like we got to go find this lost city and get shit done and you're right this character doesn't ever have any moment before this of doing something like this and then it just happens and she says line i'm like when we become this movie yeah very strange All right, now for the next one, which is interesting because I have two names slowly because I'm picking whoever you don't pick. So you have first run here, buddy. Um, the Steven Seagal uh, worst performance. I love Ernie Hudson. I love Tim Curry. But don't feel any pressure. Pick whoever you want, and I'm just going to take the other one. Accents are not their forte. And I don't know. I mean, first off, why not just make Tim Curry's character British? He's British. It would work out. We don't need him to be from Romania. It adds nothing to the story. And I don't know why Ernie Hudson's British. He could be American. It wouldn't fucking matter. <laughs> so there's no reason for it. So I went with Ernie Hudson. Okay. Okay. And yes, I will go with Tim Curry. We'll just talk about both of it. Um, what the fuck happened here? Like, why, why did they do in, this? In Tim Curry's case, did they watch... Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show or something, they were like, we gotta, we can make him do an accent. Even then, he uses his regular accent in fucking Rocky Horror. Yeah, he pretty much always does. Like, Clue, Home Alone 2, Muppet Treasure Island, like, he's always Tim Curry. So I don't know what's going on here as what Herkimer Homolka, <laughs> formerly of Romania, and he's just doing a half-assed Russian accent sometimes. <laughs> yeah, there's so many times where they're, both their voices slip. Yeah, all of the and time. And Ernie Hudson's introduces this like British expat, like Merc for hire, who's British sometimes, and it's, most of the time just not trying that hard. Yeah, it's a really weird accent too. It's like the most subdued British, and like to me, did you notice he was like drawing out some of his words with it? Yeah, apparently just to be British, you just draw a little more words and like a little stronger like that. Like, that's a shitty British accent, and I tried harder than he did. <laughs> it's it, it, it's like, it's one thing if the film had some kind of logical reason, but like you said, you watch film and you're like, you could have literally just made them be who they are, and this film would have, nothing would have changed. Their accents had no bearing on this movie whatsoever. It's really kind of amazing. Like, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> and incredibly distracting. It is. I texted you immediately. I was like, what is going on with these two's accents in this fucking movie? I I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I it's 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 an interesting decision, and I want to know whose it was. I feel like this is another one of Crichton's Hills where he's like, the guy is Romanian, or I walk again. It's like we fired you 10 years ago, Mike. You don't need to be here. Two of him just not letting it go. He's constantly looking at the the animatronic or like the real Amy and like the suit Amy and like, like I can tell, I can tell who's the real gorilla. I can tell, they can tell. He's Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. But yeah, Ernie, this is a shared uh Steven Seagal Award between Tim Curry and Ernie Hudson. They both bombed this one. 
yeah i i never this is the first time in our short run on this show i was like i'm having a legit issue because both of your accents are terrible (laughs) i yeah it is it is nice when i don't have to think about it that much where i'm like oh that he's the guy (laughs) yeah usually and usually it's um me going like oh yep that one that was an easy pick or like okay i'm having a hard time but what and that like you're like with the pacifier right it was like no one's really doing bad. Then that's when I came up with the lady who played the makes. I'm like, well, I'll just pick her because why is she even from a different country? Why did Disney do that just to make fucking stereotypical jokes? Yeah. And that's how I've got that one. But this one was like, I, I was there, like, I wrote both down because, you know, I, I do my, I do it on paper first as I'm watching, then I translate everything to the script. I wrote both down. And I thought, okay, I'll just pick one when I'm writing it. And as I'm typing it out, I'm like, I can't pick. Like, yeah. I simply cannot decide. It's like, this is just bad. (laughs) (sighs) On that note, I feel like this one should be interesting because we'll be able to diverge hopefully. Um, But the Michael Bay, Michael Bay, first filmmaking decision. I think for me, this movie has serious potential to be a fucking terrifying film. And I think one big thing holding it back is a PG-13 rating. Is I think if this film had been rated R, had refocused a bit, this could have been one of the most memorable sci-fi horror th- adventures of the 90s. But unfortunately, I think it's held back. So that's mine. Okay, interesting. I will divulge a little bit on Silver Linings. There's an interesting angle I went with on my Silver Lining with that. But okay. I am with you. It would have been nice having gone further and just focused that script up a bit more instead of, you know, hey, Jurassic Park's famous. We need something. It is weird, like, and even though, like, it's like if Jurassic Park had been 90% about, like, the politics of, like, creating the park, and then we see dinosaurs in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, it's like you gave me an inferior version, whereas Spielberg knew what we wanted. We wanted dinosaurs. (laughs) Exactly. You know what everybody Uh, loved about Jurassic Park? West African politics. Are you sure? You sure about that? Frank Marshall, Mike, you sure about that? You think the producers like okay? You think they went through like all right? So he's finally done about this live eight mainly because we got one. But now apparently he really wants to focus on West African politics and the the executive ex- producer going, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" Michael cried, and I'm just picturing every sentence he he ends every sentence with, "Or I walk." <laughs> like every decision, every conversation he has, if he doesn't get his way, he's like. I'll walk. You don't even work there anymore. If I was an executive producer, every time you came up to me with that first minute, every time I just same same sentence would be, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" That would be my response every time. You've had security throw him out like six times. He always finds his way back. You just can't get rid of this guy. He's always wearing some kind of like King Kong T-shirt or something. And that's when you see a news article going: Michael Crying dead of an overdose. Interesting. <laughs> Oh man, it's Hollywood. Sorry, happened. Mine. Uh, and I've been kind of alluding to it, and that is this film to me has a serious fucking pacing problem. Um, yeah. because it takes a long time to get to the point of apes attacking, which is what I have been told this film is for years. So I went in thinking, fuck yeah, 
Give me some attacking <laughs> apes. Yeah. I I checked. I paused the fucking movie. Because I was like, where are the goddamn apes? <laughs> and I paused over an hour in and was like, oh, there's still no apes. There's like 30 minutes left to this film. When are they coming? Yeah, that's a real problem this film has. Uh, it starts out great with the, you know, ape attack on Bruce Campbell and his buddy. And you just see like a, a shape on the camera and then it goes away and you're like, oh, shit, I'm intrigued. And yeah. then we don't see them again until the end of the movie. And I mean, it's the end of the movie is cool when they're like intelligent, psycho, savage apes. But then, you know, the volcano fucks them all up and it's like, oh, well, they hardly knew ye. I guess the movie's over. <laughs> Probably knew ye. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, you finally get it and it takes it away from you. And even then it did the and this is I don't like when movies do this. Uh the one that apparently if the online horror community loves and I don't understand because I fucking hated the movie, but I think uh the cursed from this year. Oh god. Um, I don't understand why I'm seeing love on it from online. They're like, it's one of the best horror films, and it's like I'm like Again, you guys are going to shit so quickly on this monsters trailer, but this piece of shit you love, okay, whatever. Um, that was one of the few times where I actually fell asleep at the movie theater. Yeah, I was the only one in the theater, and I was just like, I kept zoning out, and <laughs> like going back in and zoning out. It was a fucking pain in the ass to keep myself awake. Yeah, I never felt serious pacing issues, but uh, the reason I pick, I say that is because it. The Congo did the same goddamn thing. And that is when the fucking attack happens. The camera just, it's like all of a sudden I got a found footage movie in a non found footage movie. And yeah. the camera just goes, Oh my God, I can't keep it still. I'm so startled. Oh God. And I'm like, I've waited this long for a fucking ape to show up that isn't Amy. <laughs> and I get it. And you shake the camera like crazy during the fucking attack scene and play this room. And you're like, Fuck you, just show oh just fuck you. Okay, just fuck you. Well, it just made me feel they weren't confident in their design because they wouldn't show us the design of the ape. We got like you know some rocky footage of it until like one scene, there's like a little close-up of the monkey. And even then you're like, Yeah, you could have done better. <laughs> yeah. And this thing, you're probably thinking, well, found footage shakes can't that's I go in knowing the found footage film is going to have a shaky camera because we suck at filming shit. It's true. We do. Anyone that tries to be like, well, I would hold it. So try to watch any fucking reported UFO, Bigfoot, cryptid, ghost, any fucking goddamn video like that. And yeah. these little people, I'm so goddamn scared. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, Suddenly everyone has a fucking bout with Parkinson's and they can't hold the goddamn camera. Yeah, it's, it's fucking insane. Huh, so I go in knowing that that's going to be found footage, which means my mind's prepared. I can handle it. And then anything else that comes bad in that type of film, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see. But in this case, this is a traditionally filmed film. They had steady cameras. They had cameras on fucking rakes. And all of a sudden, found footage. Can't see the goddamn ape attacking. <laughs> ah! Yeah, understandable. Yeah, this film could have erased a lot of their setup and just gone from, you know, Bruce Campbell getting attacked to in the jungle looking for the Blessed City. 
Yeah, I would have taken the quick setup of like the airport sequence of like, okay, let's set use that as a sub to get all the characters that we need for this into it. Yeah. You know, show them, show how they got this group together. That's fine. I understand that. How they got there, you know, let's go boom, boom, boom. But get them there and then yeah. fucking go for it. Don't do whatever the fuck this movie did. We didn't need the political shit because again, it amounts to nothing. Like by the, when they get there, they don't have a bout with some, you know, <laughs> gorillas or, you know, there's no, I mean, like rebel gorillas. <laughs> you cheeky son of a bitch. <laughs> there's, you know, they get out of there fine. The, the balloon. I mean, they never, there's, they still have heat seekers and it's really, it's a lot harder to avoid heat seekers when you're in a fucking hot air balloon. So none of them are making it out of this, but it's just, it didn't add anything to it. All it did was just, keep the pacing down yeah it's i i think the i think literally when the plane blows up that's that's it to that storyline like and the politics are done the plane is gone i'm like what yep that's it <laughs> what a wash it blew up in the sky <laughs> um on that note i know it's just kind of had a i kind of shit on the, the structure and pacing of this film but uh now for the server lighting the positive we took from this so i'm curious what is yours Amy the gorilla. I fucking love Amy the gorilla. This smart, compassionate, can kind of talk gorilla who loves martinis and just is super chill. It's I love the character. I love hearing it talk. You know, Amy, Amy, mother. I love all that shit. I thought that was great. And then in the end, when she saves uh, Dylan Walsh, I don't remember his character's name. I'm just going to call him Dylan Walsh. When Amy saves him from the evil gorillas and like, you know, it's like back the fuck up on these psycho evil gorillas to save him is like, ah, my favorite part. It's like, yes, I love this. I love Amy. So, yeah, a- Amy is great to Crichton's credit. She is a great character. Um, probably the best character against Crichton. I can't tell what's a real ape and what's an actor. So did it matter? No, no, not at all. Um. So yeah, no, Amy is a uh, Amy is a great character, and it's funny. I remember her the most because Dylan, Ro- like said, I can't remember Russian's character's name because it's like he's the main character, but not the main character. It's the weirdest thing. Like this film does not commit to a main character in its cast. Oh no, everybody's got their own agenda, and none of them match up in the slightest. It's yeah, it's it's I, just by sheer happenstance, Laura Linney stumbles onto the Diamond Lizard. Yeah, it's it's literally like it's it's insane. When I was watching, I'm like, this film's not really committing to a main character. And let me tell you, man, like, if it wasn't for the fact that I have to like come out with awards and stuff for this, these are the type of films where I do because I'm watching at home. I'll pull my phone and just be like, yeah, and look up occasionally, be like, oh, it's still going. Okay, (laughs) I understand. Yeah, it sucks when we get one of those, but like, I I do love that. There's just you know a telecommunications mission. There's a save the gorilla mission there's a fucking treasure hunt in the middle of this movie like it's just everything is happening at the same time and nobody gives a shit if it meshes or not yeah it's just like well and that's why i say like in a weird way if you threw this on i'm not going to complain because i do appreciate the sheer audacity of like all the shit they put on this film just know if it meshes well yeah that was the 90s like the 90s you know in the 80s people were experimenting with how little of a shit they could give and then in the 90s they just went ham with it. And I love that. There's certain movies that would not exist without people not caring as little as possible. 
yeah 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 90s was an interesting decade of film in general um obviously outside the whole aim now kind of you know i'm tired of hearing it 90s was quite you know horror's dead like okay we get it you know there was actually quite a bit of good 90s films i won't just look i know so it's gonna be young versioning horror fans out there right and they're going to hear it just like i did it happens right it's part of learning about film I implore you to not pay attention to the horror died in the 90s to any young horror fans we have listening and actually look at what came out in the 90s. And there's a lot of solid stuff in the 90s. Well, you know what? Even if people do think that that horror died in the 90s, you know what happens in horror movies? Things come back from the dead. So fuck you. Also, horror never truly dies. I'm just saying. And if it does, it's coming back in the sequel. So it's all going to be fine. Sequel or remake. Take your choice. Um <laughs> For me, my silver line, that's why I said interesting you mentioned the um, you know, making it radar. And I do agree, I think they should have gone for it. With that said, I was genuinely impressed with the 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 gore that they did get away with for a PG 13 film. I double checked when I had to pause it to see like it's fucking coming up anytime soon. Cause I have uh I know this is on showtime, but I have the I have that tied with my Hulu account, so that's Thank how you. I saw it was essentially on Hulu. And yeah. you know, it tells you the rating being positive. I'm like no, it's PG-13. I'm like, they're getting ready with some actually pretty good stuff. Like, you see a fucking decapitated head on camera. Like, I'm like, okay. Yeah, a lot of bloody corpses. A lot of bloody corpses. A lot of people getting beaten to death. I was really pissed that they wasted their one F-bomb on Joe Pantoliano just casually going, fuck if I know, at the airport. Like, what a waste. You only get one, and that's what you're going to use it? <laughs> yeah, they should have just given it to the fucking corny-ass one-liner. Yeah, put them on the fucking endangered species. That does actually kind of sound better. I would have had Amy say it, like just you know, just sign language. Oh fuck! When the gorillas show up, <laughs> that would have saved this entire movie. What if Amy, as awesome as she is, talks like Koba and fucking Daughter of the Planet of the Apes? <gasps> yeah, I bet that's how all gorillas sound. Not to be racist, but I'm pretty sure that all gorillas. Oh, sound- I- so glad we're talking about Congo because I have context. Jesus. If they could talk, that's how they'd sound. Ape, go away. That was cool. I just watched all three of those uh, recently, uh, just on a whim. Rise, Dawn, and War, all three fucking perfect movies. Oh, like, they are such great movies. Do you, do you know how pissed I was when War came out? It seemed like apparently the war just stopped caring out of nowhere. That was like the best one. I was so disappointed. I I was yeah. I was there opening night. Like this is great. I think I saw it twice. Yeah, unfortunately, I I was on deployment, so I did not. But I remember just when it, like I was very excited, and no one was talking about it. And it was weird because I'm like, didn't everyone like Don? I thought we all loved Don. So why do we not care about war all of a sudden? What the fuck's going on here? Yeah, weird. But yeah, definitely good. Like I'm, if you haven't seen him in a while, watch him again because it's just you can't stop. Remember when uh, my my parents were living in Austin and I was briefly living them that that Alamo Traft House over mm-hmm. at my client? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember? So we thought they were decorated for like Play of the Apes, but apparently they just always had Play of the Apes there. I know. I was like, we I think we went there for Dawn, right? Yeah, yeah. We went and there for Dawn. We were like, holy shit! They went all out for this movie, and then we kept going back month after month. All that shit was still there. We were just yeah. like, no, that's just the lobby. Just uh, with the lobby decided. Um, but remember that one worker when we were leaving? He talked exactly like the apes as we were leaving. I do remember that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. He just leans out. Have 
a good day or something like that, whatever the fuck he said. <laughs> God, I can tell you, working at Draft House, I've never had that level of commitment to any movie that came out. I would like wear a t-shirt with the movie, but I would never start acting like it because I didn't get paid that much. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, with that, great films. Those are, God, I need to actually pick up uh, War. I own the first, I just not picked up War um, yet. But uh, yeah, so with this, um, yeah, I'm definitely, like, like I said, I'm, I'm with you in that they should have just gone with our rain because clearly Gore kind of said they were probably wanting to do that. But they didn't. But with that said, I'm, all, I'm always, um, I'm always, uh, you know, for me, you know me, I like my gory in your face horror films quite a bit. Um, so I'm always happy to see like them push for PG-13 ranks. So like, let's see what we can get away with. True. But if I'm going to watch savage, evil gorillas rip people apart, I want to see some blood. No, I want to see it. Yeah. I just like why. I don't know. Probably because, you know, Jurassic Park was PG-13 and they had to capitalize. They're like, got to get the kids. Still going to freak yeah. the kids out. Like I said, look, if you notice when we did our top five creatures, most of my radar, like anacondas, crawl alligator and all that you know what they all have in common they show it alligator fucking had a kid die for christ's sakes you talked about it. if you want to know how i felt about that and how that seems hard to me to this day check out our filmgasm on alligator um but yeah they don't hold back on showing a kid get fucking killed nah yeah that imagine what congo could be with competent filmmakers and a vicious r rating this movie would probably scare the shit out of me honestly honestly i kind of want to see what it would have been if michael crying got in his fucking live ape i would be down for a remake of congo i'd like to see what we could do with this now yeah it's, well especially with the technology they use for the, the planet of the apes films congo with caesar oh my instead god of amy like literally the character caesar in here instead is, of amy is, is my crown still alive <laughs> No, he passed about 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Well, if he was still alive, can you imagine if they were like, hey, we're going to reboot this, but we're not getting real ape, and he just throws a fucking like tantrum? <laughs> I would love if, like, in his will, he said, like, if there is a remake of Congo ever, it's a real ape, or I walk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's a good way to segue. Unless we have anything else, <laughs> segue to. Uh, I'm sure. I feel like your favorite part of the show. Uh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Uh, not a lot of middle ground with this one. Uh, pretty reviled. Two point four out of five stars on letterboxd and all of the basically most of the uh letterboxd reviews are just how insanely ridiculous some of this stuff is so i've got five good ones here and i hope i can make you laugh this first one is from jake Urz. before 9 11 you could hang out with a gorilla on the tarmac and then drink martinis once you were boarded one and a half star I, I forget how many things apparently you could just get away with pre 9 11. I thought it was funny how casually they just give the, the ape a martini. She's like, I want green drink. Like, how long have you been giving this ape yeah. martini? Well, I love how like the, the attendant had a moment like, no, I can't do that. And then like Dylan Walsh was like, oh no, it's fine. Well, when you put it like that, 
<laughs> I'd be like, wait, what? Sorry, sir. Did you, you said it was fine. What? It's not for me. It's for the gorilla. Well, then fuck no. <laughs> I was just, if I was a flight attendant, the last thing I'm doing is making drinks for apes. <laughs> yeah. Being the only one to drink it myself, be like, he's not getting this. I would, I'd quit on the spot. I'd be like, I don't get paid enough for this. This is bullshit. <laughs> oh, my, all right. Next one. This was good. This is from Ronnie Gardaki. Jurassic Park. You will believe these creatures who've not been seen in 65 million years are real. Congo. You will not for a goddamn second think these are real gorillas. Two and a half stars. <laughs> Mr. Not crying didn't get his way. Nope. <laughs> I'm just picturing him being like, all right, so if we start now, we can bre- we can breed a vicious race of super intelligent gray gorillas in time for filming. I know we can pull this off. They're like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> oh, gotta love his commitment to realism. <laughs> or I walk. Or I walk. damn it oh number three uh this is from bramble scramble my mother won a pepsi raffle in 95 and the grand prize was a life-size amy the gorilla that shit may have actually been my best friend this movie is the greatest by the way those evil gorillas getting fucked by lava is unbelievable one of the best big budget misfires ever four stars (laughs) i love that they had a pepsi contest to win a fucking amy Gorilla. Oh, <laughs> oh, they fucked up and gave the winner the wheel. Gorilla. That's the prize. You win the gorilla from this movie, and it like it can't talk worth shit. And if you're just stuck with this goddamn gorilla, yeah. <laughs> I I love people's like commitment to like liking bad films, like the like um when they give these high scores and like God, it's it's terrible, but fuck it, I love it. I mean, if if I'd won, you know, the Pepsi challenge and ended up with a life-size gorilla, I I would love explaining that to company when people come over and it's like, oh, this is my movie collection. This is the living room. This is my life-size Amy the Gorilla from Congo. You may have seen it. (laughs) Again, if if they give you the real gorilla, you just always have Amy in that corner when company comes over. I tell it, like, I wait for people to get close and then I I do, like, the sign and it goes like, Oh, or something like that scares the absolute fuck out of whoever I've got over. It's like those videos of people have seen like um like apes at the zoo, like the the gorillas near the glass, and it just out of nowhere slaps the shit out of the glass. Like they know what they're doing. <laughs> I love watching the gorilla laugh afterwards. Like they always chuckle to themselves, like, I got you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I think it's I think it's fine that when he's who you go to that has you know all of them have monkeys and as you guys can probably our, our audience can probably tell if they don't know I, monkeys and apes are fucking smart as shit. Um, I love how for some reason they always have to be like so watch out where you walk here because they like to throw their poo. And I'm like then why is it open? <laughs> why did you make an area to walk where they can fucking fling their shit at me and it can possibly hit me? That doesn't sound like a fun day at the zoo to me. God, can you imagine? This isn't um, monkey related, but 
I did see something funny happen at the zoo once. Um, I was at the zoo in, um, I think it's Virginia Beach, actually, with um, my my dad and my aunt Astrid. And um, Astrid was filming the it was a the tiger enclosure, and the tiger made a gesture or something that moved a little. And the guy in front of her was like, ah, and she laughed. She's like, ah, you got scared. The the tiger pounced at the wind at the glass. My aunt went fucking flying. She was like, holy shit, and fell over. Like all of that happened within two seconds. It was a, it was beautiful. It was karma, at, like instant karma. It was great. Oh, I need to remember this zoo for a certain visit coming up. <laughs> Not for you, another visit, but yeah, I don't want to go to the zoo. Yeah, no, it's, it's another one involving. It's family. too fucking hot to go to the zoo. <laughs> and it's one involving family, and it shouldn't be as hot when they come here. Um, but yeah, no, actually, you know that gorilla thing. I, was, I think I got that. I, I you know who I got that from. You joked about that, Kevin Hart. I remember him doing a stand-up. We talked about taking his kids to the zoo. And the fucking gorilla slapped on the glass and he like bolted and almost forgot his kid. <laughs> he was so fucking scared. Nice fight or flight there, Kevin. That's great. Yeah. That's funny. He chokes away. He's like, yeah, fuck those kids. I'm getting out of there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I got two more for you. Uh, this one's from Henry Smith. I don't know what I was expecting from Congo, but it certainly wasn't Laura Linney cutting evil gorillas to flaming shreds with a fucking laser gun. Three and a half stars. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that one. Honestly, not what I thought was going to happen. I was like, actually, I had a moment. I was like, did I fucking mind blink and worship you got that gun? Well, I thought it was funny earlier. They mentioned like, oh, so you were in the CIA? And she's like, maybe. Like, is that all the explanation for like, oh, that's how she knows how to use an experimental Laser yeah. diamond gun. Which, by the way, by the way, just ex CIA. You can tell them you're ex CIA. It's only secret when you're in the CIA. That's like if someone's like, if I when I get out of the Navy, they're like, so were you? You were Navy? And I'm just like, maybe. You you should always you should wear a shirt that says like you know U.S. Navy and then always answer it's classified. <laughs> Actually, that kind of works because that's all my drives. So I can give you being like an asset. I can give you an overall description of my job. That's fine. I can do that all day. I can't give you details. So I can technically just be like classified. But wait, what kind of missions do you do as an asset classified? You should be like, let's just say Fidel Castro is very sorry. <laughs> some, some vague Cold War shit just to throw people off. Right. Or just start being like, you know how op- Operation, uh, you know how ISIS was declared dead? Yeah, and just leave it at that. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. And this last one, I can relate. This is from RJ. No score given. He just reviewed this with this one sentence. When I was a kid, this movie was so scary, I shit my fucking pants. God. Something about abnormal killer apes fucking scares people. I get it. You're the only one that got scared out of evolution. Let's just calm it down. I doubt it. And I know that this guy, RJ, would he would get it. No. <laughs> That's what's in the box. I, you know, it's fine. I, I love making the joke for some, I don't know why it's so funny to make the joke that if I ever got so scared, I would shit myself because I, I probably would. Um, that would be my response. Like, oh, God. And oh, God, I need to change now. I was scared. I was startled. But uh, I've never watched a film that scared me enough. I've been like, oh man, I just shit myself. 
I've never like I didn't literally obviously I was actually I was six years old I fucking might have I don't know I don't remember that part but it is all about you know how I think depends on when you see the movie you know I think you just I don't know I will say no I will say the only I know I'm not saying like he I'm I'm sure it's possible and I'm sorry for this this man to have shared himself that that sounds terrible but if it's ever like as a grown adult, I'll say if I've ever like had a moment where I've been like, oh, I might need to throw this on the way, it's because I've had something bad. It's usually after having something that didn't agree with my stomach, I took a chance and shouldn't have taken that chance. Well, I was talking more about getting scared by a movie, not shitting my pants. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about I I guess I'm saying I haven't shit myself over watching a movie. It has not scared me enough to do that. Yeah, it's never happened to me either. But I'm assuming if I end up in a really terrifying situation, like there's a real murderer in my house, anything could happen. Anything could happen. I, I was that's why I said I'm saying I've only had it for like man, I've ate something bad. Great. This is an interesting road to have traveled down. Yes. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, honestly, unless you die naked, we're all going to show ourselves one day. Yeah, I, I saw that South Park too. See, I told you guys. <laughs> uh, well, Congo, not well received by pretty much anybody. And everybody was more just like, what the fuck is going on right now? And I respect that. <laughs> good, good job, Congo. And apparently you made a man shit himself. And you know what? I guess that's a win. <laughs> For the movie. Yeah, I guess, you know, I hope Michael Crichton was impressed or else, you know, he's going to walk. <laughs> I hope the guy changed. I hope the guy paused the film somehow and you know changed his underwear. I hope it happened at the movies and he he was fucked. He just had a wallow in it. Or he like got up and left. Hopefully it was at a mall movie theater. He went to a fucking old navy, took got some new stuff, came back, movie was fucking over. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, you know, the now controversial can can uh, can you don't when Brian was talking about his experience. Oh my god. That was a hell of a way to, to get to know him. Yeah. I got it though. I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just eat something bad. You take you take that chance and it 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 fucking backfires on you. It happens. I do have a story I will tell you when we're done here from my youth that I do not look back on proudly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if, that's why I, I like to joke as a guy, you know, our true fear. You're shitting ourselves. That's the truest fear you have as you get older. It's like, oh God. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I'm, I stand by it. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, he's look, the review led us to this. Uh, before I reveal what happens on next week's episode, um, let's go on and do the social media stuff, right? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to show us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. I'm about to finalize something that has to change due to a fucking delay. Um, but you know, if you want to, if you have suggestions and beat me to it, email us at that uh, at that email. Um, if you'd like to donate and support us in any way, you can find us on Anchor. And finally. Feel free to get on the site, filmguys.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, and all of our episodes. Now, next week, I've decided, as much as I hate myself already, to get out of my comfort zone. 
because I have to eventually on this podcast. And I'm going in blind. I believe you're going in blind on a fucking romantic trauma that isn't light, which just really cements this even more for how much I'm going to hate it. <laughs> 1981's Endless Love. Yeah, here we go. My only experience with this film is the, I believe, Oscar-winning title song, Endless Love, playing during a scene in Happy Gilmore. That is all I've got. So I don't know what to expect here. This is probably going to fucking suck hard for both of us. But that's what this show's about. Yeah, I was when I was coming out with the second half of the year and trying to vary it out more, I was like, I got my comfort zone. I can't always do stuff I, I, I'm actually kind of wanting to watch or, you know, I know I might have a chance of liking. I was like, I got to do this and here we are as johnny knoxville once said it's content (laughs) just keep just keep thinking that to yourself it's content (laughs) (laughs) you said that before they got shot with a fucking riot gun though yeah this is probably just as bad on a mental scale (laughs) okay fair enough oh god um Luckily, though, on Filmgasm, I'm a lot happier with that one. We are going to continue the gauntlet, the film before the epic conclusion to the gauntlet. Um, but epic in its own right, the other icon of 80s slashers, Freddy Krueger himself, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Can't wait. Long time coming. It'd be nice. Basically, we're doing these so we can open the floodgates for the sequels. Yes, and... I won't be alone on my like for this one since apparently my my co-host doesn't have good taste. On Oscar Sunday, we'll be looking at the film which put a welcome and unexpected voice for horror because no one saw this coming. But we'll get more to that on uh, on why on the episode. But Jordan Peele's directorial debut, Get Out. Yeah, very exciting. You know, obviously his new one, Nope, comes out on Friday. We're all very excited. And this will be an opportunity to explore how, you know, half of a comedy duo on Comedy Central became a award win, an Oscar winning horror screenwriter who's three films into a very interesting career. And that's just his directing stuff. There's the stuff he's producing, what he's doing for film um, with the call to diversity big time, what he's been able to do with like the Twilight Zone, Lovecraft Country, uh, Candyman. Um, so, you know, not even just like, yeah, obviously his director, director stuff is huge. Um, based off what we're seeing, he's about to go three for three and just hit hit films here. But also like what he's done producing rice since this is just as impressive. Hell yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, can't wait. I'm looking forward to that one. I will be on this one, you know, unless I get COVID again, but I will be on this one and I'm looking forward to talking about Get Out uh, big time. But until then, if you decide to go out and search for Lost City or Jewel in a foreign uh, country, be careful. Uh, might be some murderous apes who won't hesitate to defend their treasure. See y'all next week on Beyond the Bad. Thank you.